0: Friends. Of course, I go by the name of the
1: kid, famous. You and I are tuned into to the Tim and Friends Show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast. Ball it up, call it entertainment.
2: Let's get this started. Okay, Tim, let's start this show with five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. Happy Raptors anniversary. Yes. This is Tim and Friends for Monday, June thirteenth, 2022. The somewhat dynamic duo, of Mikhail Rubinov. Back together for the first time since Wednesday of last week before I went to my son's baseball tournament and you, my friend, went to the RBC Canadian Open. How was the weekend, my dude?
3: The weekend was great. Uh, Thursday was awesome. The Open was obviously fantastic. I uh, had a buddy's wedding yesterday and nice. the, the weather held off. I know a lot of people were probably looking at the weather going to the Canadian Open and saying, like, ah, I it's supposed to rain. Yeah. It's supposed to be a thunderstorm. Yeah. And it held off. For the most part, which was awesome. We ended up getting a great tournament, and my friend got married. So, so the daily double. Yes, the daily double. Exactly. The daily double. For exactly. How was uh, how was yours though? Yeah. Importantly, I,
2: I guess I should shout out uh, the Mississauga Majors here and now for hosting and winning the tournament that we were at this weekend. And I got to admit, I was upset at the organization. I don't know if I told you this, but my kid's team got the 8:30 p.m. start in a baseball game that it's goes late. around. You know. 10.30, 11 o'clock, and then the 8.30 a.m. start on the Saturday, forcing yeah. me to lose out on my beauty sleep. That's on purpose, frankly, it seems like, yep. As you can tell, I, I need that beauty sleep. Uh, but around, <laughs> around the diamond, everyone was so nice. Even my son, who's lost a couple of pretty damn close games to those kids over the last couple of weeks, said, yeah, they are pretty good dudes, real nice in the base pass, so that counts for something here mm-hmm. on Tim and & Friends. And on top of that, they came out and... Uh, chatted with me a little bit. They watched the show, Jesse. We can't hate on that. If no, the kids I, watch I, the show. Yeah. I mean, people yeah. at the Canadian Open, were, there were a
3: lot of people that came up to say, hey, love the show. And I, th- I thought, you know, people are really friendly these days. This is great. <laughs> we must be doing something right. I so I was know.
2: happy to see that, too. I don't know. Except for the cap, though, the kids and Mississauga for winning the whole damn thing. I'll give you one of the games. Very
4: impressive.
2: Uh, and kids, keep watching. We need all the help we can <laughs> That's get. Right. Folks at the Canadian Open, keep watching. We need all the help we get. And we're going to review, re- reward that viewership reward yeah. that viewership no, it, not review that whatever no you're good, you're good. <laughs> you you knew what i was doing there so I mean, <laughs> all right speaking <laughs> of baseball shy davidi is going to join us as the jays begin a four-game series with the o's alec manoa versus kyle bradish and are we talking all-star or cy young from manoa shy davidi a little later on is crazy He's got an ERA under two, and we're in the middle of June. Also, plenty of golf talk. <sighs> Today is the Canadian Open battle, the live event. Yep. And Brooke Henderson won the LPGA shop, right? Brooke! Going to join the show soon in the next like 20 minutes. In fact, so we'll get this puppy going. We'll also talk NBA Finals Game Five goes in San Francisco right here on Sportsnet tonight. Dave Smart is going to join the fray. The Steph slander died a wee bit over the weekend. Eh, just like pretty quickly. Yeah, just like pretty quickly. Yeah, they All it needed it Game four just yeah. took it down a, notch. <laughs> a And bit. then today it was, well, Can he keep it up? Is that the guy? Does he need to do this? You get out of here. And we'll have a. Stanley Cup Final. A pretty damn good Stanley Cup Final. That's where we start first things first. So what's the scooper? Darren Poopa? Mm. One of my favorites. <laughs> first things first. First. Well, Darren Poopa will
3: tell you that we are going to begin with hockey, where the Lightning beat the Rangers on Saturday to punch their ticket back to the Stanley Cup Final. Game one of the Cup Final is on Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, which you can see right here. On Sportsnet, Tampa, of course, are going for the three-peat. And yet, Timmy, they're underdogs in this series. Is that surprising to you?
2: Not when their opponents are 12-2 in the playoffs, averaging 4.64 goals per game. A lot of goals, and that. more than 40 shots, a lot of shots Four per game. And a power play that's clicking at last check, 31%. Like I got Tampa as an underdog against Florida in the second round. And they ended up sweeping. I, I kind of sort of see, like, this is a, like, if you were to get an all-American Can- all matchup in Canada, mm-hmm. and you would pull the electorate to ask them who they would want, you're not getting any Canadian teams. And you ask them, who would you want in that Stanley Cup final? Would you probably have not gotten Tampa Bay and Colorado? It
3: has to be, doesn't it? Like it yeah. has to be. You have a team going for a three-peat, and the other team is the preseason favorite, and who people have been thinking is going to win a cup has been on the path to win a cup for a number of years now. Right. So it is the best matchup you could possibly have of American teams if you're just you know, someone who's... On the outside, rooting, choosing someone to root
2: for Yeah, here. because it should be an exciting brand of hockey that's played, and then you've got a little bit of greatness everywhere, including between the pipes for Tampa. Is yeah. it like, like, this is the difference between Tampa in the Eastern Conference and, or excuse me, the Avs in the Western Conference and facing Tampa. Like, the Avs have not faced a goaltender like Andre Vasilevsky.
3: Like, not even close.
2: No. They got, what, Ingram and Riddick in the first round nice. against Nashville. Yeah. That was a sweep. They ended up uh, getting Huso after Biddington got hurt, and then they got Mike Smith in the third round. Like They've seen nothing like Big Cat, and Big Cat's been unbelievable. It feels
3: like he's the major sticking point in this series here. If he is the goalie that we've seen the last few rounds uh, versus how he started mm-hmm. against the Leafs, then Tampa has every shot imaginable, and they're a pretty talented team, not just him, but he is the difference maker, and many people, I think, would point to the fact that they have the advantage in net as to why you maybe raise an eyebrow when you're looking at the odds and you see that the Lightning are underdogs. Because they are underdogs with what many people, we ran a poll not too long ago on Sportsnet, and people were saying, I think 55% or something said he's a top five goalie all time right now.
2: right. Right now. Right. If he will if he wins again, like he is going to go into that conversation and he's four wins away from winning again. The, the only there are a couple of things that stick out to me. One is the sixty-five playoff games that Tampa has played in the last three years. Like some guys will play fifteen years in yeah. the show and never get sixty-five playoff games. Game one will be their sixty-sixth playoff game. In the past three seasons, and all of them condensed. So, you wonder if that squad might be a little bit tired. And the other side, how good will François or Kemper be mm-hmm. for the Avs? Do they need them to be good? And if both are healthy, which it seems like they are, who starts game one for the Colorado? I'll ask the former goalie, the former Markham Islander. Markham Islander, Toronto, Toronto Young
3: I mean, that's a difficult question. I would say you probably you have, have to, to go mention back. you the AAA team after I mentioned the other team? Yeah, well, Islanders was AAA for a few years. And yeah. then, you know, near the end of the okay. career, we dropped down a level. It's all good, though. had want to make sure. We had, had to play yeah. with the friends, you know, play with yeah. the boys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did that, too. I'd probably go with, uh, <laughs> with Kemper because. Um, really? He got you here for the most part. For the most part, right? And he is the better option if healthy. Has been the whole year. And I understand that Franzos has been was good in relief of, of Kemper. But this entire season has been Kemper show. And now when you get to the cup final, you're gonna abandon that. You've been fine with him the whole year, right? So why not continue to put out your best goalie?
2: I think Francose has been better in the postseason. Mm-hmm. That's why. You ride the hot hand. I, I don't listen, I'm I'm not gonna get mad at Jared Bednar either way. Mm-hmm. For whoever he starts in this but i would not be surprised if he goes franco's in game one he, can you imagine the beginning of the year saying that the, the stanley cup
3: final goaltending matchup was going to be andre vasilevsky and pavel franco's yeah there you go and the abs were going to be favored it's an it, it's an unbelievable turn of events really we have a backup going up against a great goaltender And it's still going to be incredibly compelling. It
2: speaks to how good the rest of the Avs are.
3: Yeah. I mean, the star power in the series, it's everything you want, right? Yeah. Uh, We asked on social media not too long ago, and I want to just see if we can get uh, some answers uh, coming in here. It's Tampa's third straight trip trip to the Stanley Cup Finals. Obviously, they've gone back-to-back. It will become the fourth franchise in NHL history to win three straight, uh, the Islanders, Leafs, and Canadians. So win or lose, do you consider the Tampa Bay Lightning a dynasty?
2: Which yeah, is? I think we can just argue over. Dy- Do you like dynasties? Might even be a better question because you could argue what a dynasty is till you're blued in the face, right? Yeah, modern right dynasty. Yeah. Nah, you got to win four in a row to be a dynasty. You, just, a hit dollar, all, you just hit all the opinions <laughs> that we have to this point. I just <laughs> right I feel there. like that is like a blue in the face argument. But yeah. th- then again, some of those are the best. Right? The, the modern day
3: salary cap era one yeah. is a big one.
2: Like, yeah, the well, modern
3: day salary <laughs> g-
2: wouldn't be able to keep Gretz. And Messier these days, like, wouldn't be able to yeah. get John
3: Tonelli on that wing. Are, are people going to remember that they made the finals, that they lose the third year? Yeah,
2: no, I think that's a, I, I do think that that's part of. It. Like, we're talking about the Golden State Warriors a little later on, yeah. and you remember right they now. made five state straight finals, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. You remember LeBron James kept playing in finals. Like, I think that's an achievement. Mm-hmm. And Stamco said as much when they touched the, whatever the Clarence Campbell Trophy it. or whatever the hell you call it. Would you touch that trophy? Uh, yeah, who cares? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. The Joe Sackick said touch it. So
3: if Joe yeah. Sackick said touch it, you touch it, right? That's it. The trophy. The trophy. There <laughs> we go. You mentioned the Warriors. Why don't we get to that now as I just uh, suavely transition to the next item. Game five of the NBA Finals goes tonight on Sportsnet. The Warriors took game four to even the series thanks to a big performance, as Timmy mentioned in the intro. Steph Curry dropped 43 points, including seven threes, and the slander slowed down just a little bit. Can he do it again tonight, Tim?
2: It kind of feels like he has to and that's not necessarily all that. Flair it is fair it is the Splash Brothers, right? Like it is two of them and Klay Thompson has shot just 60, excuse me, 36.6% and averaged just over 17 points per game in this finals. Like his numbers from the floor in these finals are lower than his numbers from three in the regular season. Mm-hmm. So Steph put on another performance for the ages and yes, the slander on Steph has gone away. But the, the problematic part for the Warriors is they needed every bit of that performance in Game 4 to get past the Boston Celtics team that basically hasn't lost back-to-back games since January. And I say basically because they lost back-to-back games at the end of the season when they were kind of sort of tanking on purpose Mm -hmm. so that they could avoid someone in the postseason. But
3: not in the playoffs, they haven't.
2: Right, but they haven't lost back-to-back games in the playoffs. And if you take out those two games late in the season when they weren't sure if they wanted to win and started resting a couple of people... You'd have to go back to January. So listen, this is a really good Boston Celtics defense that Steph just exploded on in game four. And to ask that of him every game is near ridiculous. He's averaging, he's averaging 34.3 points per game in the NBA finals on 50% shooting and 49% from three. Like mm-hmm. they are ridiculous numbers, and they've needed every piece of that to be at 2 2. So, if Steph scores 35 or 30, but Clay gives them a Clay performance, or Draymond shows, or Andrew Wiggins gives them 25 unexpectedly, like all of those things would help the Warriors just as much as Steph having to put them on the back. And it was almost, do you remember when Kevin Durant went down in game five against the Toronto Raptors? Oh, yeah. And Steph, Clay helped out but Steph had himself a game. They were down 6 with like 3 minutes left in game 5. It looked like the Raptors were going to close it out in 5 on home court. And Steph willed them to victory and many thought if oh my god, if if they end up pulling this one off, he will go down as one of the greatest of all time. And we're still having that conversation as he does it again here. So, I mean, as I've said way too many times, basketball is not a singular game. <laughs> much as the pundits down south want to make it a singular game, Steph was magnificent. He willed his team to a victory. He needs a little bit of help. He needs a little bit more help.
3: you concerned about Draymond's podcast?
2: (laughs) <laughs> giving away information. <laughs> giving away information.
3: distracting I mean, he hasn't been good. They need help. You're right. They, Clay hasn't been good. But the defense has Jordan been Jordan Poole hasn't
2: been good. Yeah, defense has been fine. Jason Tatum shooting 34% He's turning in the, the ball over at
3: a ridiculous
2: rate as well. Right. And when they turn the ball over, Boston, when Boston turns the ball over, okay. they're in trouble. Yes. Yeah. The record is not good. So. Oh,
3: turned into a great series, though, here. Yeah,
2: I'm, I'm excited about this, and I will be looking forward to it tonight. Dave right Smart,
3: yeah. On Sports Talk. Nice. Dave Smart coming up to uh, analyze a little bit more later on in the show. But awesome. for now, we go to the Toronto Blue Jays who return home after a 4 2 road trip against the Tigers and Royals. They'll look to continue that momentum. This week, the Jays open up a four game series against the AL worst Orioles before a three game set against the first place Yankees. Now, the Jays are currently eight and a half games back of New York. How important is it? in
2: closing that gap this week. Yeah, I mean, you want to get a couple games, obviously, Mm -hmm. but it's more important the way you play. Like, I keep hearing this, well, I should have swept Detroit. I should have swept KC. Like, if you win two out of three in every series... That's 108 wins on a season. Like, I, I need to reiterate this all the time for baseball fans. Like The 162 means if you win two out of three every series, you win 108 games on the season. Now, you're going to give a few away here, and you're going to go on a winning streak there. So that's the way baseball goes. But if you took three of four from Baltimore and two of three from the Yankees, that, that's, that's a good week. And I hope that everyone looks at it that way. Now, I know Manoa is going in the opener of this four-game series against the Orioles, so a lot of people are looking forward to something here. But the Orioles are way better than the world is giving them credit yeah, for right yeah. now. They have 26 wins, 35 losses, but they have 26 wins this year. And the offense has been warming. Like, over the last seven days, you a little frisky. I'm not going to say they're hot. A little frisky right now. They're warming. So, it's not like... It's the guaranteed three wins coming to town in the Baltimore Orioles. And if you think it is, just ease
3: up a week. It's interesting you, you say that. And, and I, I think this is a conversation for maybe another time, a, a bigger conversation. But maybe expectations for the Jays, given the whole uh, last year was the trailer, this is going to be the move. Maybe expectations were a little bit too high if we're looking at taking two of three from teams and not considering that to be enough. You know what I mean?
2: Like they're still, their record is still very good yeah, here. One hundred and eight wins wasn't If one hundred and eight wins like isn't <laughs> but enough, but that's not what they're on pace for. To be fair, they're not on pace for one hundred. No,
3: but their days. record is is very good at this moment with some teams that they can beat coming up clearly with the Orioles. So it's just interesting that there's sort of like no one's really jumping over or jumping over the moon right now with the record where they are because they're eight and a half, half games back. It's just an interesting thought that maybe we set the bar a little too high.
2: I, I just think that not a lot of people expected the Yankees to be this good. Mm. And that's been the off putting part rookie, of this. Yeah. They would have liked the Jays to be that good. Yes. And for the Yankees to be good, but not seven and a half games behind, eight and a half games behind.
3: It's fun, nonetheless. See what they can do against the Orioles. Uh, eventful weekend, say the least, in the world of golf. Charles Schwartzel won the opening event of the Live Invitational Series, Rory McElroy won the RBC Canadian Open. And 24-year-old, it's hard to believe she's still only 24, Brooke Henderson picked up her 11th
2: LPGA Tour victory. Tim, who won the golf weekend? Uh, Brooke Henderson won the golf weekend, and she will be talking to us because she actually won. I guess Rory McIlroy and Charles Schwartz also won, but Charles Schwartz won a lot of money. But if you're talking about outs, and I know what you're talking about. You're talking about the fight that everyone's talking about right now. And the Canadian Open absolutely kicked Live Golf's ass. The leaderboard in Canada chewed up and spit out the leaderboard in London. The crowds in Canada made Live look like a mini-putt championship on local Channel 2. And there are a lot of people screaming the exact same thing because it is completely true. The RBC Canadian Open kicked Liv's ass, but also cash. Like a lot of things that people make black and white these days, there are so many shades of gray, or in this case, green. The T-10s at the RBC Canadian Open made just over $200,000. The T-10s at the Live, $560,000, more than double. Also more than double Brooke Henderson's winning check at the LPGA ShopRite. The signing bonuses and the money are the reason why PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan showed up in Canada Mm -hmm. and sat down with Jim Nance because they're scared. And they should be. Once the slings and arrows of sellouts and Saudi stooges pauses and passes, I wonder how many guys will just line up to take the money and run. Especially when the majors are pulling a Rod Robbie and saying, come on down to all live participants. Like, why wouldn't you take the money if you can still play in the majors? That's all that really matters outside of maybe... A few people who are really keen on their home course, or in our case, your home country. Mm -hmm. I fear the PGA Tour may have won the battle, but the war is just starting.
3: Oh, that's philosophical. I love it. I I, I think watching the Canadian Open, did you not feel like there was an energy, like the PGA Tour was almost revitalized, like they got the kick in the pants that they may have needed that this is presenting a a new threat and a new level of competition that they they haven't had. And PGA Tour responded with putting on a fantastic event, and Canadian golf fans played a a huge role in that. But the Stars came out to play. They shredded the golf course. It was fantastic to watch. I thought maybe there's some some positives you can now take away from the PGA Tour, say we're not going to go quietly into the night here at all.
2: I do, but we're all biased because we're in Canada. Yeah. Like, do you think that... The PGA tours, and listen, there there was some spin going on when Monaghan sat down with Jim a little Nance, bit, right? Just a little bit. Do you think the PGA tour playing the card of, well, we are the better tour because you've never had to apologize for playing golf on the PGA tour? Like, all of that will work for a couple weeks, but if they keep throwing this money mm-hmm. over a couple of years. Buena fortuna, like, good luck here. Yeah. Because I I don't know how many people will continuously say no to the amount of money they're throwing out
3: Yeah, I don't think slinging dirt like they are now, like, getting into the war of words is necessarily... The way to go here—it's no. just play you, up
2: your history. Yeah. Play up, but
3: but outside of the majors, what history do they really have? They're going to have to. They're going to have to. a few turns. This, this is what I mean. It's yeah. a kick in the butt. They're going to have to innovate. I don't know if you saw that video of the behind the scenes of, of JT and Rory and Tony Fino yeah. getting ready for their final round. It's that sort of thing. New access, right. new camera angles, uh, longer time beti- between commercial breaks. Those sorts of things are going to have to adapt now, right. because there's a threat. Right. And microphones that's how on works.
2: players, things like that. Exactly. Yeah. No, I'm I'm with you on that, and maybe we'll get to that. That point. All right. Still ahead on this edition of Tim and Friends, we'll get you set for Game Five of the NBA Finals with my friend and former Carlton men's basketball coach Dave Smart. Shy Devidi will join us from the Rogers Center as the Jays open up a series with the O's. What up with the O's? Well, that's Shy Plus, more reaction to a dramatic weekend in the world of golf with Sportsnet's Adam Stanley and up next. Fresh off of her 11th career LPGA win, Brooke Henderson will join us. You're watching Tim and Friends. On Sportsnet, on Sportsnet 360. He's going to get the full worried signing. he got what looks like a Tiger scene. Oh, what a sight this is going to be.
1: Roy McElroy defends his title at the RBC Canadian
0: Open. 21st PGA Tour win, uh, one more than someone else. Uh, that gave me a little bit of extra incentive today. That's right at it. Oh, they loved it, and that is exactly why. What a shot. Brooke Henderson, 11th tour title. Still just 24 years old. The whole world still ahead of her.
2: Alec Manoa, let's go. Manoa is just one of the best bitches right now in the big leagues. How about 97 to strike him out? He has been brilliant again. Fans in Toronto, everyone in Toronto is super passionate. We're super excited to play in front of them every time we get a chance. What a future the Blue Jays have with big Alec Manoa.
0: Such an exciting player to watch. The door is open for Brooke Henderson.
3: 194 to the hole.
2: That's right at it.
0: Wow, they loved it, and that is exactly why. What a shot. And it's Brooke Henderson, the winner of the ShopRite LPGA Classic for her 11th tour title at the age of 24
2: there aren't many Mondays we talk as much golf as we are here today but this ain't any other Monday the RBC's Canadian Open was a roaring success at St. George's and our next guest was lighting up the field at the shop right a final round 64 to force a playoff which he won in style with an eagle on 18 please help me welcome Brooke Henderson back to Tim and Friends Brooke thank you very much for doing this how are you
1: I'm doing great, thanks so much for having me.
2: I just heard 11-time winner on the LPGA Tour, which reminds me you are the winningest professional golfer in Canadian history. How does that sound to hear that at the age of 24?
1: Oh, that's pretty cool, Uh, you know, just being out on tour and getting to play against the best in the world was a dream for me and, you know, getting my first LPGA Tour victory in 2015, that's so long ago now. was just a huge highlight and you know I'm just trying to live the dream and try to you know play as well as I can and get better all the time and you know to get my 11th victory out on tour yesterday um, just an amazing feeling and it leaves me hungry and I'm going to try to get a whole bunch more.
2: Some ups and downs over the last couple of years did that make kind of the wait for 11 feel special now?
1: um yeah you know starting in 2016 uh and then all the way up to before the pandemic i was winning twice a year and you know things were all going very well and then you know since the pandemic things have slowed down a little bit in terms of the victories um for me so you know getting getting my 11th win about a year after my 10th win um it just really meant a lot you know and you know i think every year the talent out on the tour just keeps getting stronger too so you know, you have to keep pushing forward, and wins are, wins are tricky because, you know, so many things have to align. So many factors have to, um, you know, be perfect that week to really come in to, uh, to get that win. So, I, you know, I'm just really excited that I was able to finish it off yesterday. Um, and like I said, you know, I'm just really looking forward to the rest of the season and hopefully uh, get another win here.
2: Okay, I want to talk about the rest of the season. But coming back from ninth place to start the final day, four back, What's the mindset going into Sunday
1: in that spot? Yeah, I was four shots back, and there was a lot of talented players ahead of me. Mm-hmm. And so the idea was just to get out to a hot start, and I was able to do that. I braided the first hole um, and then was five under through nine holes. And at that point, I was at the leaderboard, and I was right near the top, and I, I got excited. And, you know, the whole back nine, I gave myself a, a ton of birdie looks and, and great opportunities. I was only able to make two birdies on the back, but it was good enough to get me into that playoff. And that, you know, at the start of the day, if you had told me you're in a playoff to win, um, I would be very excited. So I was happy to be in that position and just tried to take advantage of it.
2: I mean, I saw some of them on the green, but not far from Smith Falls, I mean, you could drive down to New Jersey. How many of the family got down um, besides your sister on the caddy, of course?
1: Uh, It was great. You know, my. Parents have been out on the road the last two weeks, so they're at the U.S. Women's Open uh, uh, last week, I guess, and then uh, just there yesterday in in New Jersey, too. So to have them there and and to be able to celebrate the win um, was really meaningful. You know, my dad's my coach, and mom's the the biggest fan, biggest supporter. Uh, So to have them there and and to be able to share this experience with them is, is always really cool.
2: During the pandemic, I know Dad couldn't get there a lot. and, as you mentioned, he's the coach. How much did not having your pops around as much impact the game?
1: Uh, absolutely. it was a it was a huge difference, and um, you know it took a lot of getting used to, and I definitely prefer when he is there on site, you know it just makes such a huge difference. He uh, been, you know, I was talking about the factors and how they all have to align to get a win. Well, he's a huge factor, you know, um, helping me with the physical game, but also, you know, the mental and making sure that I'm well prepared and have a great strategy to go into the course. So I definitely I love it when he's right there um, with me and we can go through all those things together with my sister. And I feel like that really made a, a big key and a big uh, role he played this past week.
2: Awesome. Family affair. What about doing it at the shop right? Does, now, does, does the shop right now feel part of the family? Like, that's the place that gave you, I believe, your first sponsors' exemption back in 2015.
1: Um, yeah, yeah. They have always been uh, an amazing event. And they gave me a sponsors' invite in, in 2015. They got me the opportunity to throw the first pitch at the Phillies game in 2016. Nice. So they've always been very good to me. And, you know, that tournament has been around for. 30-plus years, it's been around forever, and it's just super cool to have my name etched in history alongside some of the really famous champions that have won there. Um, Annika, I think Betsy King as well, Um, Sae Lee, Curry Webb, uh, Christy Kerr, you know, the list just goes on. So to be a part of that was uh, really amazing for me.
2: Okay, so you're forced to change your driver because of a rule change. And your drive helped you change your putting grip. Which one are you more fired up about? <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, yeah, lots of changes here this past uh, few months. But I feel like uh, right now I found a great combination with my, my driver. Uh, I feel like the head, the shaft, everything is uh, is a great setup for me right now. And I was really excited to be starting to get some distance back that I had lost when I had to make the switch to the shorter driver. I'm starting to gain that back and so it was fun to be able to hit it out there again and hit a lot of fairways and put myself in good positions and, you know, with the putting I'm always trying to continue to improve on that and get a little bit better. Um, especially my sister and, and my dad, you know, they're always working with me to trying to read the greens a little bit better and make sure my putting stroke is just getting a little bit more consistent all the time, and going left-hand low with the uh, putter um, has definitely helped the last two weeks, and I feel like my whole game's in a great spot um, right now moving forward, and I'm looking forward to this weekend in Michigan.
2: Yeah, I feel like your wins on the tour have kind of come in bunches. Do you feel like you're back where you want to be?
1: Uh, yeah, you know, all, all year for the most part, I felt uh, I've been hitting the ball really well. It's just you know things haven't been quite perfect i guess and the putting was a big factor in that but i feel like i have a i'm in a better spot with it now but you know starting the year with uh the second place finish and i think i had maybe six straight top tens in a row so i really started the year off well and i had a little bit of a lull there when i wasn't feeling so well but i'm I'm back feeling better and just to get the win yesterday um a huge confidence booster and it's a lot of momentum moving
2: forward. Great to hear. Uh, next up, KPMG, Women's PGA, Congressional, of course, in Maryland. The family following you there
1: as well? Uh, yeah, nice. we're uh, lucky enough to have my parents uh, and of course, um, Britt on the bag there too. And, and what a phenomenal golf course. So I'm definitely looking forward to that opportunity.
2: Awesome, listen, it, it seems like uh, every time you win, you say yes to us. And first off, we appreciate it. Second off, Let's do this way more often because that means that you're going to win a bunch and then come on the show.
1: (laughs) I like the sounds of that. (laughs) All
2: right, awesome. Thank you, Brooke, and congratulations again on uh, win number 11.
1: Awesome, thank you.
2: There is uh, Brooke Henderson, Smith Falls, Ontario. Always the classy young woman on this show. And that kind of same sort of... uh, smooth operator that you hear, you see on the course, because she is remarkably smooth on the course.
3: Unbelievable. Like, what a performance yesterday, especially uh, in, the, in the playoff. And just a great ambassador for the game of golf in this yeah, country. without like, a doubt. Somehow, we don't talk enough about her because she has 11, 11 wins. Yeah. Like, you look at the, the tennis players that we talk about, and this is not to disparage any of their accomplishments, but Felix and Dennis and Layla and Bianca, they don't have 11 titles combined. And right. here's Brooke Henderson with 11 on the LPGA Tour. So a remarkable run, and she just somehow continues to get better at only 24.
2: I think we've had her on the show since 2015, but uh, that might be just you know, just us. There you go. Coming up, we'll keep the conversation going. Talking more golf. Sportsnet's Adam Stanley was at the Canadian Open. They won their battle with Live Golf this weekend, but will PGA Tour win the war? We'll discuss that next after this right here after you get a trademark like
3: back someone's gonna take that
1: Rory in the driver's seat right now good chance for birdie game has gone on today.
5: and some great sportsmanship there from Justin Thomas he's gonna get the full Rory
1: serenade you got what looks like an old Tiger scene as the 18th is going to be completely surrounded. Oh, what a sight this is going to be. Can't say enough of the quality of the golf fan here in Canada. Oh, yeah.
0: Rory McElroy defends his title at the RBC Canadian Open. 21st PJ Tour win uh, one more than someone else. Uh, that gave me a little bit of extra incentive today. This is the day I'll remember for a long, long time.
2: A lot of people will. It was an amazing weekend of golf on this side of the pond, and so nice. We, uh, we talked to him twice on the weekend in the world of golf. It is Adam Stanley. Welcome back to Tim and Friends. Mr. Stanley, how are you today?
0: I'm, do- I'm doing well. It was uh, quite the Sunday in the world of golf, certainly in the world of Canadian golf, but uh, this is why we do it. It was, uh, it was a ton of fun yesterday.
2: Well, I know you're still a spring chicken. You're just a kid, but where, where does that weekend at St. George's rank for you?
0: Yeah, I mean, certainly in terms of actual coverage of the sport, that was that was number one. I mean, I obviously remember, just like all the players, where I was when Mike Weir won the Masters in 2003. But in terms of actually uh, feeling it, on-site electricity, and of course with everything else going on with Brooke Henderson uh, winning as well at the exact same time as what seemed like everything else was happening, uh, mm-hmm. you really couldn't have topped just how I was feeling that day, covering the sport and being a fan of the sport as well.
2: So... Rate for me what you got from the PGA Tour on how that went as a weekend for them.
0: Certainly, from a PGA Tour, RBC Golf Canada perspective, tournament organization perspective, they could not have scripted that Sunday any better. You know, you talk about the two biggest draws of the week being Justin Thomas and Rory McIlroy. Uh, them being joined together with Tony Finau, who's one of the most popular players on tour, and, and JT and Rory going out in a 529, matching 529s to start their days, and then with Rory eventually defending his title in front of this Canadian crowd. Uh, that was just absolutely electric all Sunday long, and certainly all tournament week long. Uh, this was a 12 at a 10 Sunday and a 10 at a 10 week for the Canadian Open, as it relates to the tournament itself. Certainly, a lot more going on in the world of golf, but uh, <laughs> they could not have asked for a better week.
2: I don't know what you're t- talking about, Adam. I have no <laughs> idea what you're telling me. What do you mean? So I said, "Listen, Jaymon, the, the picture. Um, there was part of this that rubbed me the wrong way." And it had nothing to do with the RBC Canadian Open. It had nothing to do with what was a great leaderboard. It it had everything to do with Jay Monahan showing up purposely. And there it seemed like a little bit of spin sitting down with Jim Nance. And what it said to me was that the PGA Tour is scared. And rightfully so, given the amount of money that's being thrown around by Liv. And, you know, I was saying earlier that, you know, the top tens at Um, You know, if you you T10 in uh, St. George's at St. George's in Toronto, you ended up with just over $200,000. If you T10 at live in a smaller field, uh, you were getting $560,000. Like it's there's significant differences that in the end, I don't know how once the slings and arrows go away, that players won't be lured into going and playing. Do you see it the same way? Do you think the PGA Tour sees it in the same way?
0: Certainly from a money perspective, uh, what seems to be an endless amount of money that can be thrown at whomever, that that is a threat, yes. Yeah. I mean, if they start to pull away some of the, the younger guys, that being Colin Morikawa, for example, multi-time major champion, Scotty Scheffler, world number one, he's in his young t- 20s, Sam Burns, those were three guys who highlighted, uh, two of the guys, excuse me, highlighted the field at the Canadian yeah. Open as well. If those guys start to impact their early career legacies by going over there, that's a problem. But dude, the product of the Live Golf actual golf. It stunk this weekend. It was so bad. Uh, And I think that people are going to continue to tune in because it's got a little bit of that shiny new syndrome. They want to see who's going over, what they're doing, how they're going to interact with fans, what the product's going to be like when it's broadcast on YouTube, uh, Facebook, and etc. But those guys played some really poor golf. uh, And how excited, how motivated are fans of this game going to be to watch Andy Ogletree shoot 24 over for 54 (laughs) holes moving forward i just i think that the product that the pga tour trots out week after week is yes perhaps a little bit stale on the broadcast side of things but you cannot deny that the actual output the effort the excitement that we saw at the rbc canadian open yeah. uh, was 10 times 15 times better than the live golf product people are going to tune into that because they want to see what's new uh, but i think it's going to get stale sooner rather than later unless more and more money gets uh, gets brought out
2: my, my gut tells me the same, but I also know that we live in an era where the Paul brothers are bigger than any fighter in the world, right? Like, I, I just wonder if people will be tricked by all the glamour and the glitz and the hardcore golf fans like yourself, like Jesse. I, I'm, like, you know, on that verge, I'm on that edge, and I just, I worry that people won't actually care where the better golf was being played. Because, like I said, I thought that the RBC Canadian Open kicked the live events' ass, and they won the battle i just don't know about the war and how long that war will be bad batt- like in the end the saudis might just go ah who cares? <laughs> yeah, didn't, work,
0: right? it didn't work, right? Didn't work. The interesting point about the uh, kind of what's to, what's to come still is that, uh, you know, everyone who was talking at the RBC Canadian open, take Justin Thomas, for example, you know, right. he came out and he was like, this is not for me. This is not what I'm doing. I'm sad to hear about these guys going over, uh, but I don't hate them as individuals. Have I had awkward conversations with Dustin Johnson? Absolutely. Am I going to see him this week at the U S open? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but, multiple tours have coexisted for a very long time. I mean, the European Tour, now the DP World Tour, has been a part of the golfing ecosystem for for decades. The PGA Tour was around at the same time that the PGA of America had its own series as well before the tour became what it is today. Uh, So maybe the Live Golf event, the the Live Golf Series, will just become another golfing exhibition that people can tune into on Friday afternoons or or Saturday midday uh, and the PGA Tour will continue to always be there i just think this one is so unique because this is the first time that people have come truly out and directly tried to take on the pga tour and its members
2: you you talked to rory mcelroy after the round yesterday a triumphant champion uh defends his crown years later but there there was some fire in rory's words like the 21 tour victories and who that was one ahead of like all of that seemed like like i'm kind of enjoying this now (laughs)
0: I did not think that Rory was going to be so pointed with his celebration. You know, I thought he was going to kind of let us read between the lines and and kind of wink, wink, nudge, nudge. This is what uh, he's saying. But, no, he came out not only just with that CBS uh, interview with Amanda, but it was the first thing that that dude said in the media center (laughs) as well when the PGA Tour media guy brought him up to the dais and said, Rory, you've won for the 21st time on the PGA Tour. And Rory leans into the microphone and says, one more than Norman." So I think it's less about these guys uh, having a disdain for the other players. Uh, even, you know, the, the, where the money is coming from, they're, they're probably neither here nor there on the politics side of things, although many of them uh, are probably uh, disagreeing with the politics. But I think a good handful of them just really don't like Greg Norman.
2: Yeah, I agree. I, I was, I was going to say, I saw Davis Love tied at 21 with Rory, one ahead of Greg Norman. And I thought there's no love for Greg Norman right now on the BGA Tour. Without I know you spoke to Rory after the Canadian Open. I also know you spoke to Brooke Henderson. We just had a conversation. So smooth, isn't she?
0: Brooke is Brooke is fantastic and, mm-hmm. and it's great to see that she you know kind of took that time that she needed yeah. she took a month off from the LPGA tour she returned home to Canada just to try to get her mind and her and her body right but the crazy thing was before you know she missed a couple cuts she hadn't finished outside the top 13 in any event so far in the LPGA tour comes back finishes tied for 15th at the US women's Open and, and like everyone saw a couple minutes ago with Brooke on the show herself she played extremely extremely well, yesterday, seven hundred par 500 for her first nine holes makes an eagle in the playoff to win for the 11th time. And I think you probably alluded to it. I mean, she's 24 years old. Yeah. She's already Canada's winningest uh, golfer in the history of the LPGA and PGA tours. Man, she's really just getting started. So she's already won a major. She's won the Canadian Women's Open, the CP Women's Open as well, which is actually returning this year to Ottawa uh, just about an hour from her hometown in Smith Falls. So, uh, you know, everything that Brooks done up to this point is only showing that she's going to be doing more and more and more and, and how high is that ceiling for her. And she's firmly back in the top 10 now in the world, and uh, she should continue to be celebrated as, as one of Canada's top athletes.
2: Without a doubt. And I remember back... Um talking to some of the World Cup uh, football soccer players in this country, and they said they drew inspiration from the women's team winning gold at the Olympics to say that we could take that next step and and be the best in CONCACAF and act like we belong at the World Cup. Does that kind of sort of thing rub off on the Canadian male golfers as well?
0: Yeah, it, it's a great question because we've had so much Canadian male golf success, certainly from Mike Weir winning the Masters in 2003 to this new generation that's yeah. all kind of part of this Mike Weir generation. But Corey Connors himself, he was the low Canadian this week at the Canadian Open. You know, he was asked, hey, did you see Brooke won again? And he was like, I was just told that that is absolutely incredible. We were all out trying to chase her and her win totals. She's just amazing at what she does. I know that she's going to win a lot more, and and it's so exciting to see another Canadian uh, be so good and and so high up in the world rankings, uh, something that we're all trying to get to as well. So all those guys, they're paying attention. They, they know how good she is. Uh, they know what her record is, what her accomplishments are all like. And it's kind of cool to hear from the, the Canadian male perspective because the golf is an individual game. And, and there's just one guy out there trying to do their thing. And they see Brooke as an individual having all the success. So it was a very cool weekend in Canadian golf. And it's a very cool time in Canadian golf as well.
2: Okay, so l- let me ask the question that everyone wants to ask but doesn't say it out loud. Is Corey Connors the T10 guy who's always in and around the leaderboard and can't win? Or will we finally see him start to hoist and, and get to spots where he has the opportunity to win late in tournaments?
0: I mean, there's, he's not going to be mad about being the top 10 guy. That's no, for sure. no, it's not bad. I think, that's really good. But, yeah. I see, but I see your point. Yeah. I see your point. because I think He's good enough Corey, to be
2: there, but can mm, he get over but, the top?
0: He, he, you know, he can, and I think when he does, uh, it's going to be one of those kind of snowball effects. If you win one, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he wins a bunch. You know, this is a guy who's top five in the world in greens and regulation. Every single key statistical ball striking category, uh, he's at the top. The putting has been his Achilles heel. Uh, if this dude just goes out and putts average one week, he's going to win. And I think he's trying to get to that, Uh, and he's closer and closer and closer every single week. He's working so hard on it, Um, but every single week when he is in the mix, there's always just one little thing that's off, and and to win, you have to be perfect or or as close to perfect as possible. I think quickly on Corey, a big learning experience for him this week was being grouped with Rory McIlroy and Justin Thomas for the first two rounds of the Canadian (laughs) Open. Basically, all eyes were on them. Corey played okay, and then when he wasn't paired with them on the weekend, he shot 12 under par. Uh combined Sunday and um and Saturday. Saturday so yeah. you know he was out there playing much better, swinging a little freer. I think he needs more experiences like that.
2: Uh I can't wait to see him get there because I'm with you. I think if he if he ends up there, might turn into a snowball. Maybe you can talk to Brooke about her new putting grip and get Sounds there. Good. Uh, Adam, appreciate you doing this. Uh we'll do it down the road.
0: Looking forward to it. Thanks, uh, fellas. This was fun.
2: This was Adam Stanley here on uh SportsNet Golf. All right. Listen, we've talked a lot of golf. We are turning the page it. over I've the next it. lot. Yeah. Quietly, Jesse yeah. just nodding his head a lot <laughs> and trying to jump in. You should jump in anytime, man. This is half your show. Blue Jays will send Alec Manoa to the bump tonight. They open a four-game series with the last-place Orioles. But these aren't your Papa's Orioles. They're a little bit better. We'll go live to the Rogers Center and check in with Shia Davide after this short commercial interlude, which pays the bills around here. Hey, 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 hey. And now, time for Real Sports Talk with Tim McAuliffe and friends of the show. Thank you very much, Chief Dogs. Welcome back. Hour number two here on Tim and Friends. Tim McAuliffe along with Jesse Rubinoff with you for another hour on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 360. Alec Manoa and the Blue Jays open up a series with the Baltimore Orioles tonight. We'll go live to Rogers Center to check in with Shai Davidi in just a few moments. Blue Jays Central in about a half an hour. If you want to flip, you can do it in about 30 minutes. We won't begrudge you. But we begin this hour with the NBA Finals. Game 5 between the Celtics and the Warriors goes tonight on Sportsnet starting at 8.30 Eastern Time Series. Tied at two games apiece after Steph Curry had a performance for the ages. 43 points in Game 4 with 10 rebounds. It was the second most points he's ever scored in the Finals game. In fact, he has scored more than 30 in three of four games in this series. He had 29 in the other. We'll have more in the NBA Finals with Dave Smart a little later this hour. Some hockey news for you, and it didn't take long. Miko Koskinen, love, peace, and hair grease. He's signed a two-year deal with Swiss club H.C. Lugano. Koskinen was set to become an unrestricted free agent next month, and the 33-year-old who spent four seasons with the Oilers said, not going to try this in the NHL anymore. He had a 907. 8 percentage and a 298 goals against average in the NHL. Alright, so the Blue Jays and they open up that four game series with the Orioles tonight. First meeting of the season for the division rivals who the Yankees have already got a bunch. Alec Manoa gets the start for the Jays. 9-0 in 14 career starts at the Rogers Center. While right-hander Kyle Bradish gets the start. For Baltimore. Here's a look at the lineup that will face Bradish. Springer, Bichette, and Vladdy, usual top of the order. Red Hot Alejandro Kirk will bat fourth and play catcher, followed by Teoscar Hernandez. Santiago Espinal will play third base and bat sixth. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. will DH and bat seventh. Ramon Tapia and Cabin Biggio finish out the lineup. And of course, Manoa on the mound earlier today. Pitching coach Pete Walker talked about why Manoa has been able to have so much success early in his career.
1: I think he's had a great game plan coming in. He's worked really hard in the offseason, obviously, and now we're getting
2: to the middle part of the season. He's been a model of consistency. Every time out, he seems to be the same guy. Um, you know, he's really established that two seam uh, this year. Uh, the four seams have been really effective for him, and of course, his breaking ball seems to always be there. Um, so, I mean, he's just done a great job. I think he's got a, like I said, he's, he's got a good feel for what he wants to do right now. He's very competitive, very aggressive in the zone. Um, he's going to come after you. Uh, the hitters are aware of that. It's no secret. Uh, but, you know, the more he establishes that fastball, I think he's breaking stuff and his changeup play off of that. So, Al Manoa to the bump today at the Rogers Center. Also at the Rogers Center today is Shai Davidi, who joins us now from the aforementioned dome. What's up, Shai? How you doing, man? I'm doing all right. What's going on? Getting a round of applause from the crowd of one here, known as Jesse Rubenoff, <laughs> at his big time stuff right there. Oh, and a little cheer too. All yeah, right? uh, deserves so, it. Alec Manoa, all star talk, even some Cy Young talk early in this season. Are you surprised?
5: I mean, all star talk, I, I no, but uh, Cy Young, that that he'd be. Uh, have a reasonable case halfway through the almost halfway through the season uh, to be a Cy Young candidate. You know, I think that's it, it was on the spectrum of possibilities certainly, but I think it was a lot to ask for someone who is still relatively inexperienced. You know, uh, you know, I think we've talked about this before how you know he only had nine starts in the minor leagues before he was promoted last year, and he's all you know tripled that at this point in the big leagues and hasn't really had a significant dip of any sort. So, you know, typically young players have a bit of variance in their trajectory. It's not going to be this linear straight upward line. Uh, But for Manoa, it has been, and that's been pretty remarkable. So, you know, maybe how smooth it's been is somewhat of a surprise, but you certainly knew he had the ability and the capability if everything went right for him.
2: Have we seen a, a more efficient Manoa this year? Like, what's the difference between year one and year two in your eyes?
5: Well, there's a few things, and... You know, one of the, to me what's interesting is a little bit of a trend that's developed over the past couple of starts where, you know, in Anaheim at the end of May, that outing, you know, the left-handed hitters in the Angels lineup gave him a pretty tough time and Mm -hmm. completely, as he has all season long, just completely steamrolled the righties. But, you know, the the lefties, the damage that he allowed in that game were all done by their left-handed hitters. And, What we've seen in the two starts since is that he started to use the sinker a a bit more often, or much more often actually, uh, against left-handed hitters, and seemingly trying to front door it to them, uh, just to give them a bit of a different look. That, you know, in turn opens up the the rest of the plate for him to use the four-seamer to do some different things with his slider. But you know, that's that's an element of growth that's going to be important for him. Because, you know, from the outset, he's completely run over right-handed batters. I think that's why he plays so well against the New York Yankees. But at a certain point, you've obviously got to be able to get lefties too. Uh, And, you know, he's... if, If the last couple of starts are an indication, then that sinker may be a way for him to neutralize, uh, you know, the one component of his game that,
2: you know, had some area for growth. All right, so nine starts for Manoa in the minor leagues and nothing above high A ball for Alejandro Kirk. Like, how shocking is what Alejandro Kirk is doing to the major leagues right now? And how much are you hearing Alejandro Kirk from opponents who are coming into the city or when when you're visiting other cities?
5: I mean, look, the, the p- offensive performance speaks for itself, right? You, you can't not pay attention to what he's doing. If you're the Blue Jays, the, the more significant development, the one that you maybe didn't anticipate or at least weren't counting on, was him being as effective as he's been behind the plate mm-hmm. to this point. And he's caught every one of Manoa's starts because he does such a good job of framing, particularly in the lower parts of the zone where Alec Manoa lives a lot of the time. Uh, where that's the area where he really needs to be stealing strikes uh, and and Kirk has been doing that for him. So, uh, you know, you were mentioning Manoa all-star, you know, I don't know how you could justify not having Kirk uh, be an all-star unless something really untoward happens over the next month. But he's been one of the most dynamic catchers in the game. You know, I think the, the real challenge for the
2: All right, seems like we've lost the audio uh, with Shai Davidi, but I think he was suggesting that Alejandro Kirk would be an all-star this year. And it's hard to argue when you look around at the rest of the catchers in Major League Baseball, let alone the American League. And the next question immediately becomes, if you're speaking of catching, what about Gabby Moreno? And what did you think of... What the Jays did over the weekend because it had to be no coincidence Mm -hmm. and hear me out on this one Mm -hmm. ask shy if we end up getting them back, but. Miguel Cabrera, Venezuelan Mm -hmm. was honored over the weekend by the Detroit Tigers and idolized by Gabby Moreno was Miguel Cabrera and on hand for the Miguel Cabrera honoring is another Venezuelan catcher who happens to be a legend in Victor Martinez like that. That seemed to me once I realized what had happened, that the Jays knew exactly what was going on and they wanted Gabby Moreno to be up for that and dangle the character. Now, the injury to Danny Jansen, of course, of course it helps, but to have that scene at Comerica Park take place, it seemed like a very smart move for The, the Toronto Blue Jays to have Gabby Moreno up.
3: Tonight. I like it. Sherlock Holmes and, and the reason I, I like the theory is because when he was called up it was a little bit out of the blue. Like they have other catchers in the organization. Zach Collins still well, here. I mean, this guy was lighting he it was, up. He was lighting it up. Yeah. But it's I don't you think they, they were Zach expecting Collins. it this early in the season yeah. like in June for them to call him up. So it was maybe a little bit of a surprise. So connecting the dots certainly seems like a nice thing to have him on hand for, to be able to meet his idol like that.
2: And that, to me, like, is the difference between good organizations and great organizations. And listen, like, I'm not acting like they didn't manipulate service time on Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I think the whole world knows what happened there. Mm. And I think the whole world knows what happens a lot. But when Moreno was called up, I was like, ah, it's, it's interesting, he's tearing it up. You know, and then I realized, oh, yeah, they're honoring Miggy. That's very cool. Saw the pictures. Then I realized Martinez is there too and for a Venezuelan catcher mm-hmm. to have his first big league uh, experience with those guys in the building to me that is a very smart move by and I'm going to say a smart organization. Did you see anything from him? Like he, he was
3: he was good. Yeah, it was okay. He was good. Yeah. The one thing that popped off the page for me was in the first inning I think it was the first game when he threw the runner out at second and bo dropped it
2: the pop, the pop was ridiculous yeah. the fact that they could throw him listen i know a lot of people look at the numbers in triple a and say this guy's a hitter it's wonderful but like the fact that you could just throw him behind the plate and have him hold his own to me was very
3: oh, very my impressive. goodness yeah. and and watching also and having gosman kind of struggle his way through the first couple innings there I thought would have been really interesting to, to wonder. I was watching and I'm thinking, what's what do you think's going through his mind right now? Like talk about being thrown into the fire. You know, he's the battery mate to a guy who's been pretty lights out all season long, and here you are you're in a bases-loaded jam mm-hmm. early in in your first game, so I was just thinking that's a very interesting spot. Like a lot going on on the day for Gabriel Moreno. He's meeting his childhood idol. He's in a bases-loaded jam. He's trying to throw runners out. He's showing off all his skills, and I just thought it was a a pretty crazy afternoon to witness, you know, watching the Blue Jays and watching his debut. Yeah, I think he did well.
2: Doubt. It looks like we're not going to get Shydevie back uh, his microphone, just <laughs> and uh, we can't get it back from the so we'll just simply move on you mentioned kevin gossman and i don't know if you happened to see his tweet over the weekend did you uh i did i don't
3: remember exactly what it said but i I remember just seeing it um like an hour before showtime
2: uh i i got it here uh so if you want to pick it up guys not gonna lie i had no clue how close detroit was to did you think i was calling on you to, to get be, it, no, and no you got no. no I was no, scrambling. It. No, it
3: wasn't scrambling, but I did read it. I just forgot what it said. I see a lot of tweets during the day.
2: I had no way. clue how close Detroit was <laughs> to Canada. I was shocked at how many Blue Jays <laughs> <cheese> fans <laughs> there. Like that, that, it, that is—is the, is the epitome of like American versus North American mm-hmm. geography? It's like, yeah, basically. It's like a
3: what talk about a welcome to Toronto <laughs> moment.
2: Wait wait till he starts going to like Minnesota yeah. and Seattle. Seattle is anyone going to tell him now or would you just let him be No, surprised let, him tweet by about it. Of this? let him tweet about it every time he <laughs> sees it. Like, so. What's the craziest one
3: because like for the Seattle. Raptors, obviously it's Detroit and the Raptors don't have Seattle in the NBA. No, so. no
2: Seattle for any sport anywhere like I'll even put Seattle ahead of Buffalo with Leaf fans really yes Seattle is unbelievable it is overrun with fans from BC and Alberta like it they had to raise the ticket prices for the Seattle games when they played Toronto because too many Canadian fans were taking over and they were embarrassed by it yeah it's funny during those runs
3: in 15 and 16 like those memories of those games in Seattle with the crowds the way that oh. they were are like actual real memories from a season that had a lot of them, but those stick out in my mind. Yeah. Like I just I can't wait to see it again.
2: Habs in Florida is pretty cool too. Yeah, that was good. Habs in Florida is Leaves pretty in cool. in Florida, I and mean, it's just All right, as we mentioned, Alec Manoa off to another great start this season. He is currently ranked in the top five in the American League in wins, ERA, and Jesse whip. <laughs> He also Nine has the fourth the leagues? best odds to win the AL Cy Young Award. Manoa currently plus one thousand on Bett Rivers behind Justin Verlander, Shane McClanahan, and Nestor Cortez. Very interesting. My Gossman goodness. also on that list as well, at plus thirteen hundred. Verlander being three to one at thirty-nine years of age. That's yeah, pretty crazy. Is preposterous. It's a whole new game. Download the Bett Rivers online casino and Sportsbook app today. Manoa to the bump today. You can see it on Sportsnet 1. Up next the BC Lions stole a show in week number one of the CFL regular season behind a record-setting performance by a Canadian quarterback in Nathan Rohr. Will he stick as the Lions starter? Will Canadian quarterbacks finally stick? in the CFL. We'll discuss all that after this on Tim and Friends plus NBA Finals time. Tim and Friends which includes right now Tim and Jesse Rubinoff uh, coming up on the network Game 5 NBA Finals. That's right. A big game tied at two between the Celtics and the Warriors. We'll discuss the Steph slander with Dave Smart who once told me off the air that he was the best guest on this show. We will put him <laughs> to the test on that a little later on. Uh, but Rubenoff, week one, Canadian football. We are underway after what was a tumultuous off season in the Canadian Football League. We finally hit the starters block.
3: That's pretty good timing on that uh, interview with the commissioner of the CFL, right? It's just seasoned right around the corner, aren't we? I, I think they're kinda new we they kinda
5: knew.
3: We planned it. Yeah. But it. Yeah, yeah, it's football season again. A yeah. uh, couple things uh, to note. The Stampeders may have silenced the doubters. With a win over Montreal, meanwhile, the Lions put on a show beating Edmonton. If you like points? You went to the right game. 59-15. Tim, what's your biggest takeaway? from week one in the Canadian Football League.
2: Yeah, Nathan Rourke, that dude right there is uh, is my biggest takeaway. And the CFL, for one reason or another, talent, opportunity, politics, uh, hasn't had a Canadian quarterback stick at QB since, like, Rush Jackson. Like, when Rush Jackson and Frank Cosentino both retired in 1969, no Canadian quarterback has started more than 35 CFL games since. Since 1969, but lo and behold, Nice. Something's brewing again. Victoria's Nathan Rourke and Ottawa's Michael O'Connor are the top two pivots on the BC Lions depth chart. And Rourke had himself a game in week one. He was 26 of 29 for 282 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. And he ran for 78 more on 11 carries with two more scores. Like, maybe it is just about opportunity. Maybe it is about needing a trailblazer. But either way... BC's 59-15 beatdown of Edmonton felt like a start and for once a real good start in a league where you think that that wouldn't happen like Justin Duncan and I sat in here last <laughs> week and we were saying like what's the CFL if it's not Canadian and for a long time it was tailbacks there were no Canadian tailbacks in the Canadian Football League right you had Sean Millington then you had to go back like 25 years, I fullbacks, yeah, Canadians can play that position. And then all of a sudden it started to get blown out of the water. It was John Cornish putting up Canadian Athlete mm-hmm. of the Year type numbers. Jerome Messam would lead the league. And then, of course, Andrew Harris. Like, now that is, like, that's just a myth. No one believes in that anymore. But the Canadian quarterback still really hasn't had the breakthrough, even those who have played at American schools. And I would love to see... You know, and the crazy part of all this is that like, you see top-rated American, court, Johnny Manziels, come up here with Heisman hype and Can't not be it. able to play because they don't understand the game. Mm-hmm. You would think that Canadian quarterbacks with a history of play- playing the Canadian game, and maybe even in U sports, would get the opportunity because all those other guys have failed when they don't put in the work. this country.
3: So how do they make it stick? Like, Is it just you need a trailblazer like O'Rourke to come in, put up huge numbers like he's well on his way to doing and then that is sort of the first one and then the dominoes start to fall from there. I can't
2: I can't comprehend how you haven't given guys more of like of all the quarterbacks to play in this league over a lot like all the Timmy like Timmy like Like, you could name 150 guys that came up here and you're like, this guy is going to be good. Did you see his numbers at Hawaii? Did you see his numbers at Houston? Did you see his numbers? here? And they come and they can't do it. And you would think that maybe just give a guy who's played the Canadian game a lot a shot, Mm -hmm. but it really hasn't happened all. Brandon Bridge got a little bit over the last little while, but you've never really seen the opportunity prolonged. Uh, at least as a starter you've seen guys sit on a depth chart at third string as maybe a pr thing but you've never really seen them get a shot hopefully this nathan rourke michael o'connor thing because as we've seen in the cfl already you're going to need two quarterbacks at least to get through the year maybe this will start just turning the corner a little bit and giving guys a shot and i thought when i saw michael o'connor win a Vanier Cup at UBC in his freshman year. He might be the next one. He, he might be the next one. So it's good to see. You got a guy with an American pedigree at Ohio in Bork and you have O'Connor with a Canadian pedigree, although he did go to Penn State too. So. No doubt. <laughs> yeah. no, there, no. there is a bit of a pedigree there too. But it's just, it's about damn time. I can't. Put a finger on why it hasn't happened before. And every American coach will tell you, well, they just don't have the kind of experience that you'd get playing Pop Warner. And to me, that's horse bleep. Like, yeah. after a while, you would have to give a guy a shot. So this is nice. It's nice to see. Rules are meant to be broken. Yeah.
3: Um, you mentioned the tumultuous offseason for the CFL. Mm-hmm. But a pretty good crowd on hand in BC. In BC,
2: yeah. 34,000. Yeah. I mean, obviously new ownership has a lot to do, and there's like hardcore CFL fans that have just been saying, if you just invest in marketing the game, it'll work. I don't know if we'll see this for the rest of the season in BC, but that's a wonderful start in a market that the CFL absolutely positively needs. I don't think you're going to get that in Toronto. I don't know what's going to happen in Montreal, but stable ownership, investing money, and The crazy part to all this for me is you make the atmosphere like I have so many friends who say I'll never watch Canadian football because it's no fun. Mm -hmm. But they're huge football fans. Don't you realize that you can make the fun like you go to Michigan. There's a hundred thousand people. They make the fun right. That's right. You go to small colleges and realize oh dear God. This is just the fun that they've made TFC. MLS. That's a wonderful example of how some people thought those things would never happen and then people made an atmosphere and oh well this is fun. Yeah because they made the atmosphere and you can do the same with the CFL. I just you know in places like Toronto where you could drive an hour and a half Mm -hmm. and get to that atmosphere real easy at a Buffalo Bills game if they'll ever be able to rebuild it which is ironic because Hamilton's even closer to Buffalo. And they have that atmosphere. It's so funny you talk about the atmosphere like that
3: because even casual football fans that I know usually watch the Grey Cup. But what is really different about the Grey Cup from every other week and it's
2: not like they're playing five times a week right. They bought into the Grey Cup That's all it is it's the same thing with you and I were talking off air about how popular the RBC Canadian Open was this weekend with kids and you and I have talked about F1. It's just hot. Mm -hmm. right so now you're going to make the atmosphere in montreal even better than it always has been because that's been low-key one of the best parties in all of canada just like the great cup yeah is f1 montreal i don't even know how low-key it is but you've made that even higher up the list and the rbc canadian open did the same thing somehow some way they captured it and i'm sorry but the argos got to do the same thing because hamilton was when i was doing Play-by-play, play, the Hamilton Tiger Cats, they were at one of the lowest points in their franchise's history. And ever since then, Bob Young, steady ownership, they have just gone like this. And it hasn't stopped. And that's, like, nearly 20 years later now. Yeah, that's the formula, right? It's the formula for everything. is
3: just you, you have to invest at, uh, first, a grassroots level to get other people involved. Like That's why football is so big in the States. They really want to point to it. It's Pop Warner football. They give, play a ton.
2: Give me a break. It's people going out and drinking honestly that's, yeah that's a big part it's big it's people here. going out drinking and having a good time and you can do that here too bingo there's no difference bingo has you see bc,
3: BC look like we we're having fun over there that's <laughs> bingo for
2: sure. has been called <laughs> all right up next we'll get you set and don't give me this tailgate crap because you can tailgate anywhere they changed want. those rules didn't they yeah get an Uber off. <laughs> all right coming up we'll get you set for game five of the nba finals after steps 43 point performance in game four what does he have in store tonight? What will he need to have in store tonight? And can anyone win two games in a row in this series? We'll break it down with legendary Canadian coach Dave Smart next here on Tim and Friends. Hey, I'm
1: on a loose. What do we expect
2: yeah. from the great Steph Curry tonight? Watch me. What they need tonight is for Steph Curry to be healthy and to be special. Okay. Aye. Curry steps back, three-pointer, got it! Curry, another long-distance shot. Let's go! Curry gets free. gets some contact. Oh. Land, got it, and one! Curry again. Oh, Steph Curry from way down team. Oh, The greatest shooter that this league has ever seen. Watch it like a chef,
3: chef. Oh. Try, homie, I'll make it dance. Steph Curry dancing, prancing, and puts it in. The Curry I shoot without aiming. It's nothing but net on the day. Bang!
2: Chef Curry with the shot. Mama, There goes that man. He got a mama. There goes that man. Pretty special stuff from Steph. Now, let me pull the curtain back on my next guest. Because the last time I talked to him on the phone in real life, he said something along the lines of, why haven't you had me on in so long? I'm like your best guest, I love it. It's the winningest coach in Canadian college basketball history, maybe any sport, I think. Dave Smart, am I getting this conversation anywhere near right?
4: Well, I feel like you're misinterpreting it. Okay. I feel, I, I I certainly did say that, but it wasn't that I was a good guest, it's just that your friends aren't very good guests. <laughs> <laughs> nice. a lot of <laughs> I didn't want, I don't want people to think I was being arrogant about it. I was more taking a right. shot at and I
2: mean, everyone else.
4: Name names, but I, I'd rather not.
2: <laughs> and I, everyone else? <laughs> uh, I keep hearing the American hot take artists talk about Steph Curry's top 10 player of all time candidacy being on the line as if it is in these finals your honest reaction when you hear people say that his top 10 all time is on the line in these finals
4: well i mean i think it's tough to argue top 10 who's top 10 who isn't top 10 because it's different eras and there's great players i mean the thing with Steph is you know, the impact he's had on the game and and some people say good, some people say bad. I, I I think if you're around good coaches, what he's done for the game is, is incredible. If you're around bad coaches, what what he does to the game is terrible because if he's, if, if young kids aren't around good mentors, then they all go out and think they can take those shots and, and shoot the threes that he shoots. And, and that, that that's the way the game should be played. And the game becomes ugly. But if, Young kids are around good mentors, and it's explained to them well how he got to this level and what he's done and the work he's put in. And I mean, the time and effort and, and the way he shoots, I mean, it's just, it's the same every time. He, he, his release points, his balance point, you know, it, it's, it's special. I mean, it, it really is. But that's, that's because he's probably worked, you know, it, it would you, you'd have to say to be who he is with his body he would have had to work in the top three of anyone in the game ever. So if if you can get young kids to understand that's where you can get to if you're going to be a top three worker all time in the history of the game and the history of the world, well, that's a great thing. But if, if, if you're just going to let kids go, well, that's the way Steph plays, that's the way uh, – the the warriors play you you can shoot a ton of threes well it ruins the game so it's i kind of see both sides of it i mean now that i've stopped officially coaching i've become basically switzerland and i I sit on the fence on everything but (laughs) but 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 really i mean he he is one of the greatest things that's ever happened in the game and in some cases
2: if but he's the he's the greatest leadership one of the worst but he's the greatest shooter that the game has ever seen and you don't even have to spend much time looking at numbers do you
4: it's hard to debate that really hard
2: to debate yeah okay you're saying yeah. I thought you were saying it's hard to debate no, like no I don't I'm know saying if he it's is hard, yeah hard to debate that. Yes. I'd,
4: lo- I'd love the 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 other other person
2: yeah, there isn't another person. No. <laughs> so if Malcolm Gladwell, the smart guy, said like 10,000 hours or whatever it is, like honestly, can you guesstimate what the hours would be to get to shoot like Steph Curry?
4: It would be crazy. For you? I mean... <laughs> <laughs>
2: not, not necessarily for me. Not necessarily for me. Yeah. <laughs> That's all right. Yeah, A lot. A lot more. A lot more for you. Yeah, I'm not saying me. I'm and saying so someone who came to Dave Smart watching, as a and freshman. And
4: most, most who are watching this show a lot more, a lot, <laughs>
2: a lot more. All right. And I'm so sure he's done a lot more. Okay. So if I gave you a list of the top 10, which is basically consensus, would you tell me if you think anyone should be moved out? Or do you think that's a ridiculous apples to oranges kind of thing?
4: No, I mean, I think it's, I think it's tough to, to say, but if you gave me, if you gave me a list, I'd, I'd probably tell you who I, who okay. I would bump.
2: For. I'm giving you the list then. Jordan, LeBron, Kareem is basically everyone's top three, four with magic. Um, then you can go in a bunch of different ways, but it's pretty much consensus on the rest of them. I'll just read them off as Kobe, Shaq, Bird, Wilt, Bill Russell, and his 11 titles, and Tim Duncan is, is most people's consensus top ten. Would you move any of them out for Steph Curry?
4: It's it's tough, as I said before. I mean, the, my, probably my three... Favorite. to uh, I mean, Jordan was great to watch, but watching Shaq, watching Tim Duncan, loved the way he played, and Larry Bird, obviously. I love. It, you like, would love those, Duncan. The the those guys, <laughs> those two guys, Duncan and Bird, are for me are are two of my favorites to watch, um, and Shaq, just because he was so dominant. But I would say you could debatably move one of those three out and Curry in. I mean, I, I I think I think it's would I. Probably. I don't know which one it would be. It would be a bit of a coin flip, but uh but uh, I think that that's the debate. I think the others it's tough to move them out. I mean Will Will was ridiculous.
2: Okay, the the hot button topic is yeah, the numbers that we'll put up are just like I don't even yeah. know if it's the same thing, but whatever. The the eleven on most people's list is Kevin Durant. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> who who's better, Kevin Durant or Steph Curry?
4: I, I think I, I think Kevin Durant's great great player and I think he may maybe he move he, He's plants some of the someone on that list, or two moves ahead a couple of people on that list. But right now, you you, you can't you can't put him ahead of uh, anyone on that list. And, and right this moment, how do you put him ahead of Steph? I mean, it's it, he's great and he's right there. But but
2: he didn't he, win a title has, without Steph. He did not like that's. I, I exactly. keep hearing people not say not that. only
4: not, but but you know they, they got swept. They got swept with some pretty good players. And and. And he's he's had some struggles. He he's been great and he's he's certainly right there, but I, I don't see how you I, I don't see how he's not sort of twelve, maybe moving into the ten in in three, four or five years if he continues to play at this level and, and wins a couple right. without without Steph.
2: So Steph's averaging like thirty five in the finals against a really good defense. And a dude, as a dude, that made his name on coaching defense. How good are the Celtics actually defensively?
4: I mean, again, do you want me to answer what I'm supposed to answer, so I don't? <laughs> get like,
2: Why don't you I, give us I, both I, answers the I mean, the what you're supposed to do on national TV and the real Dave Smart answer?
4: Well, compared to everybody <laughs> else, they play great defense. Right. Golden State great D. but but I mean, if you watch, like this is the NBA Finals, and these two teams do it better than anybody, but. I mean, a regular season game. Fifty percent of the possessions are thrown away possessions, like either offensively or defensively. It's hard to watch. I mean, from a from a real coaching perspective. But I'm not blaming anyone. I'm not. I'm not there, so I can't. I'm not blaming the players, and I'm not blaming the coaches. But someone's at fault that they keep throwing away fifty percent of the re- possessions in regular season. But even if you watch closely, I mean, I don't want to put a percentage on it, but there's a lot of possessions thrown away, both offensively, but especially defensively, where. You know, like, it's just, there doesn't seem to be, I I mean, I know there is a consistent plan, but but like some of the switch situations and some of the situations... Where where Steph gets open or doesn't get ganged up on when there's certain guys on the floor, and more importantly, certain guys on the floor in places they can't shoot it from. I mean, right. Golden State's tough. they they run some good stuff, and the, you know Draymond's tough because if you if you don't cover him at all and you, you let him just pass it, then then he's gonna pick you apart with the pass, and they slip the they slip those. Those pin downs. Well, you know, you you, you don't want to let stuff flare. Although, if 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 you do, and you can get there on the catch and put it down, if there's certain guys who just don't, they just don't shoot it consistently. And and I, I find it funny that he gets the shots he gets, and they they get lost. But also that some of the other guys who can shoot it get the shots they get. I because there's guys on the floor who who don't shoot it that well, and and as much as they space pretty well, yeah. there are a lot. Of, like I've broken it down pretty pretty seriously there's a lot of times when bad shooters i just don't think they're covering the nons as well as they could cover the nons personally i mean that, maybe i shouldn't say that but that's that's my
2: no matt bonner my, came on here and basically said like he worked with udoka in uh san antonio and said the Celtics are going to win this because he's going to force the non shooters to shoot and in game one we saw that but they, they haven't been able to kind of follow that up
4: now golden state's hard to do that against, right because they have some I, shooters I, I just think they they haven't done that on a consistent basis, and they and and the problem with guys like like Steph and 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 definitely Clay and even Pool. I mean, he's young, but if those guys get hot, like yeah, like if you give them a delightful. good look and they and they get get a little bit of a flow, they they move it back three feet, they, they they shoot it quicker, and you know maybe they don't do it for the entire game like Steph, but but they get hot for for three four minutes and all of a sudden the game's changed and now now you're fighting uphill and you can't win that way so it, it's tough because they they have a c- couple of streaky guys who are great shooters but are more streaky than than steph is and i just find they're not covering the nons and and some of the nons are decent shooters but i just i'd, I'd rather see them you. have thoughts uh, like
2: i got like, you
4: playing unbelievable and, he, and he's been a huge factor but if he's shooting threes, then he's not offensive rebounding. When someone else is shooting the three, he's offensive rebounding. Like when they when they hurt them on the offensive boards, that's when they when they really hurt them. And Andrew's killing them in a lot of ways. And you know, would I do I think Andrew can shoot it? Yeah, I definitely think he can shoot it. But I'd rather him shoot it because, like there, he is not offensive rebounding. And there's really only one guy who is kind of offensive rebounding. Like look here, there is nobody looking to rebound right. if if Andrew shoots. And I, I mean he. He's playing great, and he's doing a great job on the defensive end, and and he's probably the reason they're up. There it's two two, is because he's been their second best player. All right. But it's not much that he can't shoot. It's more that he does so many other things well right. that hurt the Celtics. I, I, he and and he's not the top of the list. There's four other guys who I'd let shoot it long before I let him shoot.
2: Okay, we only got about a minute and a half here, but I wanted to get to Draymond Green, who uh, Charlie Murphy once coined the phrase "habitual line stepper." And I feel like Draymond Green is a habitual line stepper. But would you, would you appreciate a Draymond Green on your team? Because there seems to be this referendum on Draymond Green going on right now.
4: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, there's things I like about him, things I don't like about him. I mean, it's it's one of those things where I'm not a I'm not a big look at me guy. But for 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 him, they don't have a lot of look at me guys on their team who want to be look at me guys. So he right. takes a lot of. The attention away from guys who really don't want the attention so that's not a bad thing I think he's right. a perfect for that team do I do I like that it, the attention's always got to be on him no but if if it's a fit on that team and there's a purpose to it if there's a method to the madness then then it's it's fine I mean is he playing great no he's 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 not playing terribly he's still he still passes the ball well He still rebounds he still still creates havoc and defends I mean he's got to he's got to put the ball in the in the basket a little bit um, just just to allow himself to be a little bit of better passer but uh, I don't know if if he was on a team with a ton of look at me guys I think he'd just be another distraction that killed the team on this team those guys don't get distracted by it and I think they appreciate the attention getting taken off them.
2: got you how many more hours would it take you to get to Steph Curry
4: to get to Steph Curry.
2: Yeah, you were saying it would take me a lot more hours. Like for you, like I know you scored a little bit at some less, school down, less, down less the 401. Than less, less than me. <laughs> less, less, less than, than me, me. Yeah. Less. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people could say that. A lot so, of people.
4: So you said before we got on that you dressed up for today's show. Okay. All right. <laughs>
2: awesome. All right, buddy. I appreciate All you right. nonetheless.
4: <laughs> it wasn't as tense as the last time. I, no, it no, fun. it
2: was a lot more lighthearted, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you
4: didn't make it so uptight like you did the last
2: time. <laughs> <laughs> I'd ask you to stick around, but frankly, never mind. All right. Good to see you, buddy.
4: All right, take care. There, Thanks,
2: There is Dave Smart. Uh, head coach at Carlton, he won like 145 championships. Lived up here. to it. In 148 it pretty years. Pretty good interview. Right. <laughs> you, you lived up it, to it? It was yeah? pretty good, yeah. yeah. He, he can he can let loose a little bit and he's not shy about the opinions. No. We should have him on for golf and hockey sometimes because he's even worse there. All right. <laughs> Time for our final break. Last call, Jesse Rubinoff is next. He'll take the reins.
3: Great analysis.
2: The kids collect our Monday tip of the cap. Under 18 men's national team basketball side captured bronze at the FIBA U18 Americas. They went over out of Argentina on Sunday. Elijah Fisher, who recently committed to Texas Tech right here on Tim and Friends, led the way. He had 12 12 and eight dimes, almost notching the triple double, while the Canadian women's under 18 hockey team has moved on to the championship final. They will face the United States for gold tonight. So congratulations to both sides. And whenever the United States and Canada get together, Jesse Rubinoff in hockey action, Mm. it is special whenever they get together on the woman's side of things, it's extra special. Can they dress Marie-Philippe Poulain (laughs) for this game or find their own Marie-Philippe Poulain who seems to score every gold medal winning goal?
3: Um, Elijah Fisher, does it, like we can be huge Texas Tech
2: fan, adopt next year,
3: Texas right? Tech, like, we can adopt Texas uh-huh. Tech Red Raiders as
2: our team. But there are other like, Canadians. There's he, other Canadians. Yeah, there are other Canadians. But he announced on the show. I know, but if we want others to make their announcements on the show, do we need to remain neutral? Moving forward, and just have an eye for like, Fisher's a homie now. He's part of the team. He's yeah. part of the family. But can we make Texas Tech our team? Or it's like if you come on
3: the show and announce where you're going, we will also then support the team that you. Go yeah,
2: but to. like Mick Cronin is actually a homie. And he's the head coach at UCLA. Like I don't know. Good coach. Good it, team. Yeah. If if he sees me repping for right. Texas Tech. I may get a phone call or two. Right,
3: so you can you can stay quiet on it. I'll just...
2: You'll just be the speedy. guy? Okay, understood. Okay.
3: <laughs> All right, uh, speaking of uh, Canadian players, uh, Canada will look to take sole possession of top spot in the CONCACAF Nations League Group C table yes. tonight. Canada faces Honduras at 10 p.m. Eastern. Honduras won their first match against Curacao, while Canada are coming off a convincing 4-0 victory against that same opponent, Tim. Do you expect more of the same from Canada tonight?
2: I don't know what I expect from Canada tonight on the road and who their starting eleven will be. Although I haven't checked if we've got not nah, It's a late start. We won't have gotten that yet. No. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do, how they do it, and if they start their best eleven or their eleven best. Uh, I think that they will win that game pretty significantly. But it also feels like. You don't really need to, and if you come away with a draw, you might be okay. So it'll be interesting to see what what John Herdman does with this team and how confident he's been with what has been a kind of stilted training session mm-hmm. in this window. Right? Yeah, there's
3: been some turbulence. Yeah.
2: So. No kidding. It'll be. I'm sure the players will have a huge say on who's playing in this game. Uh, if it's their best eleven, I expect them to win. Mm-hmm. If it's not, you'd probably be good with a draw in Honduras.
3: It was a very busy sports week, and F1 kind of just under the radar a little bit A little bit. Max Verstappen won the Azerbaijan Grand Prix yesterday, but perhaps the bigger story following the race was Lewis Hamilton's health. Hamilton struggled to get out of his car and was complaining about a sore back due to proposing. There were doubts. Porpoising. 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 Mm -hmm. That's a good catch. There were doubts Hamilton would be able to race at this weekend's Canadian Grand Prix. However, Hamilton was said he wouldn't miss it for the world. The Canadian GP is back for the first time since 2019. Do you
2: expect big crowds? Yeah, be, it'll be ridiculous this weekend. But the, I was saying the same thing about Port- like it's it's the the car is like it's it's kind of like bumping, right? And his back, like I heard other guys talking about, I'm like, what the hell are they talking about? His, his thing's porpoising. And then, so I, I looked it up and then I, then I saw the race. and But they said that, I mean, other guys said that they saw it in qualifying too. And it's not, I mean, this has been, a a constructor's title for how many years running before Verstappen, like, this is not something that you would see from his team, from his Mercedes team, and all of a sudden, they have a car that's not really competing at the highest levels, and now this, like… This was,
3: yeah, this was anticipated, but not to this degree, because the the changes were more significant this year than than in previous years, but Mercedes to, to be where they are now is is obviously a surprise. Because yeah. I said at the beginning of the year, I mean, I kind of got into F1 rather recently thanks to the show, mm-hmm. but heading in, I think Mercedes was still going to compete. Right. But now you're suffering porpoising injuries. Yeah, porpoising Things injury. go sideways pretty quickly when you porpoise, right Sebby? Got to be careful and how you porpoise. they porpoison. do it on porpoise? Very, very nice. Uh, Dolphins wide receiver Tyreek Hill uh, made From headlines to over Dolphins. the weekend. Yeah. The former, very nice, the former chief had three 1,000-yard seasons with Patrick Mahomes throwing him the football. However, Hill went on the It Needed to Be Said podcast and had some interesting comments about his new and old quarterbacks. Have a listen. As far as accuracy-wise, I'm going with Tua all day. So which one would you rather have? The deep ball where you got to scramble around the field to try to go find it? Or nah. do you want that accuracy to hit you right in the bread basket on the run? I want it to hit me right in the bread basket, just like I did in the Buffalo Bills game and take it 70. And the it, rest is history. And again, this is not a shot at anybody. Right. This is just stuff that had to be said. It needed right? to be said. It needed so let's to be head. said. Did he go
2: too far with those comments? Hey, listen. Even if you're right, why would you say that? it beats me are you trying to pump to his tires are you trying to say that patrick mahomes was nothing without you well, it can't be you can't be right right like he i know
3: you said even if he's right
2: no but i don't right. but i don't understand why he would say something like that forget what he said why would he say it right like it's not even his podcast is it no he's it, trying to say that Patrick Mahomes is nothing without me. But last I checked, Travis Kelsey put up some huge numbers too. Mm -hmm. This is going to be very interesting to see, but also maybe a reason why it was Tyreek Hill on the way out.
3: It's fascinating. It is an interesting thing because they've never been able to find that receiver outside of Kelsey and Hill, or at least since right. Mahomes has been there. So maybe he looks at it and he says, oh, like he's kind of just uh, willfully ignoring the Kelsey part of it, but says, I was really the the, the big piece in that offense. Right. And now you'll see that with me
2: gone, it's uh, it's going to well, be different. And we will see. And maybe he is right. I highly doubt it. I, I highly doubt highly. it. But maybe he is right, and maybe we're going to see Tua go off. That would be a sight to behold. What are the, what are the odds? Better on Hill becoming a 1,200-yard receiver, or Tua ends the season not as the starter as the uh, for the Miami Dolphins?
3: Oh, it has to be the second
2: one. <laughs> it has to be higher on the second one. Like,
3: he, the, the, the leash is going to be quite short, I would imagine, on
2: Tua. It's, it's crazy that he said that, and when you think about the two outcomes, yeah. I would bet you that most odds-makers would make yeah. it.
3: This is it for him. Yeah, Like, probably five games and you're done if you're not performing. Could be. Uh, okay, three years ago today was a day many Canadians will never forget. Today marks the anniversary of the Raptors winning the NBA title in six games over the Warriors. What moment do you
2: remember most from that night? The sheer elation across Canada, more specifically in downtown Toronto, especially given the last two and a half years that we've gone through, to see the pictures of the celebrations that ensued Mm -hmm. after the Raptors. I mean, Kyle Lowry starting that game, real nice. Uh, Kyle Lowry getting Masai Ujiri. Out from that situation, the situation that yeah. was absolutely and utterly ridiculous—that we don't need to rehash here. Although that guy was a jag off and we all know it. <laughs> the the scenes that it touched off are why we love, sp- le- legitimately, why we love sports. To go out and high-five random strangers and have a random celebration—that I don't know—brings out two million of your closest friends. That's uh, something only two sports million. can do, and I will never ever forget that night and then the parade. Remember how annoying the end of that game was? Like, it just wouldn't end. Wouldn't end. It was like
3: six seconds on the clock yeah. for like 20 minutes. It was so <laughs> annoying. Uh, okay, speaking of celebrations, Australia has qualified for their fifth straight oh, this is World great. Cup. Australia and Peru were deadlocked to <laughs> zeroes after extra time setting up a dramatic penalty shootout. Penalty. With the Aussies up 5-4, Alex Valera needed to score to keep it going, but keeper Andrew Redmayne made the diving <laughs> save to seal the win and that reaction was pretty good. Uh, how do you rate? the celebration from Andrew Redmayne.
2: I, I was on the show live and I said to you, have you seen that Australia beat Peru in penalties mm-hmm. to advance to the World Cup? And when you, first off, does Redmayne not look like the dude that would celebrate that way? Yeah. He just, he, and he when, looks when like you. Looks like Aaron Baines. Kind when of you of. start to read, like he's 33 years old. Yeah. So like, imagine that, like, this is probably your last shot. Mm. Even as a keeper, it's probably your last shot. To qualify for a World Cup, and that dude is now going that's to That's your soccer
3: a dream. A is World that your Cup soccer dream keeper. A doubt.
2: And I might do the same. Ju- I might do the same <laughs> so celebration if right, I was man. in that spot. But I never would be, so we don't have to worry about it. <laughs> that does it for us. For Rubinov, McCall, Orioles and Jays coming up on Sportsnet. One game five. NBA Finals is on Sportsnet at 8:30. You have a great night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks, Jesse.